Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. You ain't getting no money if you're constantly worried about what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to closing the deal, I get it done. Everything one. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Coinology. And I'm here with none other than attorney Rosina Pierce. Welcome to the Coinology Studios today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Girl, we've been trying to get this <laughs> for a while, right? You're so busy. Girl, I'm 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 happy I'm here. When we pulled up <laughs> in the parking lot, I was like, we made it. Finally, girl, <laughs> we've been trying forever, right? Yeah. How long have you been in Atlanta? Uh, I actually moved here from Chicago in 2017. Okay, because I think I vaguely remember when you first moved here. Mm-hmm. Yep, or you came here straight from Chicago, whole new change of life, starting your new law yeah. firm, and you just took off. Well, do you remember, um, even before I moved here, I think you guys had a client in Daytona Beach, Florida. Yep, yep. That yep. big event. That's and right. Actually, yep. And that was like my first introduction to like Atlanta people. Yep, yep, and yep. I, I love that environment. I love that spirit. I love how everybody was just like willing to help everybody. Is that the reason why you moved to Atlanta? You know, that was one of the reasons. And then I wanted to be somewhere where black people were thriving, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like where I come from, Chicago, like we could be in a room full of lawyers TV, film people, black people, and there's no news coverage on that. Nobody's highlighting that or promoting that, but they highlight all the violence and things like that. And so I'm just like, I need to go somewhere where, like, my greatness is not only accepted, but it's like, you know, it's promoted. You Mm -hmm. know, it's Mm -hmm. it's glorified. Mm -hmm. And if people are there, like, push further, push more. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Black Mecca. Okay. And so has it (laughs) met your standards? Um, I would say Atlanta has been good until okay. these recent um housing, you know, rates have increased. Crazy, Even though, right? like for me, I locked in in twenty twenty with my house, mm-hmm. um, thankfully, because when I moved here in twenty seventeen, I said I was gonna wait four years to buy a house. Mm-hmm. But then when COVID happened, I was so happy that I just heard God say move, and I moved in and bought at the same time at the proper time. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just looking at all the other young professionals mm-hmm. that's trying to come to the city. And it's just like they can't reap those same benefits, and it's almost sad. I often tell people that, you know, the home ownership is like a dream of the past. Mm -hmm. I don't know. If you don't already have a home, it's almost difficult for a recent college grad to be able to afford to purchase a home. And I also question, Rosina, if it makes financial sense Mm -hmm. for individuals fresh out of college to put themselves in a half a million dollar debt Mm -hmm. or more buying a home because really the average house now you're going to pay about four and that ain't going to look like nothing Nothing. and that right nothing (laughs) Nothing. right but that's how it is so how did you know you wanted to be an attorney um i always knew i wanted to be a lawyer since i was five Mm -hmm. um my dad had his exposure with lawyers um, by having a criminal background. Okay. Um, but as I was young, I, he was always taking me around different attorneys and things like that. And I was just like, I want to do what they do. And I remember going to 26 in California. That's the county jail mm-hmm. when I was very young. And I just remember like seeing how they were moving in a courtroom. 
the people with the suits on, you know, okay. my five-year-old mind. I was like, I want to do what they do. It seemed like they got some power in here. And, you know, I was just like, from then when people be asking you, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? I always say, a lawyer. So and you never had anything to say, I can't do this. You knew at five years old, I can I do this. I was going to be a lawyer. And, wow. I, and I had some challenges coming up and things like that, but I was just like, Time moves. I remember going to law school and people asking me, you know, how long that take? And I'd be like, uh, I got to go to undergrad. That's going to be like four years. And then mm -hmm. I'm going to do law school. I'm going to do part time in the evening. That's four. And they'd be like, damn, that's a long time. Mm -hmm. And I can see those people now. Like, I'm so that was 18 years ago because I've been practicing for 10 now. Mm -hmm. But I could see those people now kind of still in that same spot, right? Mm -hmm. That they were in when they were asking me about the time. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it wasn't really like, you know, about how long it's going to take or the challenges. I was just like, I could just got to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And one thing my daddy always told me, he told me quitters never win and winners never quit. And so I was just new in my mind, like, okay, I'm a winner, so I ain't going to quit so I win. That's so right. That was one of my things that I just had to keep pushing forward so I got it done. You know, one of the things I hear you say that reminds me a lot of myself is your daddy. Because mm -hmm. for me, my father, I, I think... Having a father mm -hmm. in a household does a lot with mm -hmm. self-confidence. Yeah. It, he gave me the security to feel as if I can take over the world and yeah. I can do anything. And it sounds like your dad kind of gave you that security as well. You know, and I, we talked and I said, <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about my dad, my father, my family. Mm -hmm. But one thing I can attribute to my father, you know, my daddy was a crackhead when mm -hmm. I was growing up, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. he was just such a, like... From his street mentality, he just he was just a cold thinker. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And even like in his addiction, he was still a great father to me. And I was just telling somebody yesterday who said they despised their father because you know she was the older child, but he was you know he was in the house with his younger kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you know my sister and I kind of had that situation. My older sister, mm -hmm. but I'm like, but she ain't see me. You know, like. At eight years old, like, going to the crack house, like, Daddy, mm -hmm. can you please come home? Can mm -hmm. you please do this? Can you please? And thank God, my father went to jail, and that's what saved him. Mm -hmm. He went to jail when I was 13, and that saved him because that's when he became clean. He was in his addiction for, mm -hmm. like, 20 years. And now he's a community activist. Mm. He feeding the, um, like, he feed the whole community for Thanksgiving because he a cook because he's a, you mm -hmm. know, my family come from that background. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, he's truly like my hero. You I know, know he's proud of you. Yeah, and I, I'm proud of him, you mm -hmm. know, because I remember like, mm -hmm. you know, like going to the crack spot, you know, while my mm -hmm. mom and daddy buying drugs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, seeing, seeing different things, but it's just like, he always told me, even in his addiction or whatever, like, you a winner. You know what I'm wow. saying? Like, he just seen so much mm -hmm. for his baby girl. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We spent a lot of time together. And my other brothers and sisters, they make fun. Like, you the favorite. But I'm like, you know, my brother always say the closest get the mostest. And it's like, we was like, when my mama put him out, I mm -hmm. packed my stuff and went with my daddy. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm a, listen, I'm a everything. daddy girl so, through yeah. and through. I'm a daddy's yeah. girl through and through. And I'm going to tell you. What you're able to do, when you love somebody and you love somebody unconditionally, mm -hmm. you can see beyond the things that other people use in, as judgment. And yeah. the love that you and your father had was beyond yeah. that challenge that he had. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you're still a daddy's girl, that says so much. And then, so you, you go on to college. Mm -hmm. Did you pledge any sororities, fraternities? Did you have a normal college life? No. 
Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, I'm from the west side of Chicago. Okay. So I was, you know, exposed to a lot of things. And um, when I was in school, I had my kids. Okay. And so, um, you know, I had to work and go to school. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, for me, like, I needed that instillment very young. Like, you know, just saying, like, quit is never win. Win is never quit. Because it was so many things that, like, my parents didn't force me to go to school. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. back in the day, like, it was just... From where I'm from, like if you got a high school diploma, mm-hmm. that's a that's good. Now you go get mm-hmm. your government job mm-hmm. and you work your government job or you work for the post or whatever, and that's it. But I just knew like being in that environment when I was young, I was like, I just gotta be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I wanna be a lawyer. And I always loved to read when mm-hmm. I was young. And so I was just like, you know, researching like what does that take? And so I had to go to work, take care of them babies. But also at the same time, I was like, I'm going to go to school too. So I found like part-time evening programs okay. to go to school mm-hmm. and did those and, and just did it at the same time. So I didn't have time for like sororities or anything like that because I'm like, I'm raising kids. Mm-hmm. I got to go to this job. Mm-hmm. And then when I clock out, I got to rush to class. And then on my weekends, I got to study mm-hmm. and get my stuff mm-hmm. done. So I didn't, I didn't have So you to. always been a hustler. Always. Always. <laughs> and because that takes... I think what's so amazing, Rosina, is that you came from Chicago, the inner city, Mm -hmm. um, and the challenges and so forth, and you, nothing ever said in your mind, I'm going to use the excuses of life Mm -hmm. to to not do what my dream is. You know, I hear a lot of people, and all they have is, if this didn't happen, if my mom didn't do this, if that didn't do that, 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 I could have been. Yeah. And you just did it regardless. Regardless, I think one thing I would say I'm grateful to my mom for, and she down here right now with me, but she's still in Chicago. When I was young, she sent me places, mm-hmm. right? And my mom, like in her, she I don't I don't never really consider my mom addicted to drugs. She was a functional, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. she did it more so to be like closer to her husband. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like have that relationship. So she, my mama always taught me, you pay your bills before you eat. Mm-hmm. Like, my grandfather, like, just instilled that in her. Like, he was a man who had 10 kids. He put them all through Catholic school. My my aunties and uncles don't eat steak because he used to go get a whole cow from the meat market. And, you know, do what he had to do with his 10 kids coming mm-hmm. from Arkansas to Chicago or whatever. And just seeing that, and it's just like... There is no excuses. Like, do what you got to do. And she sent me different places and exposed me to different things, even though, you know what I'm saying, my mm-hmm. environment was the west side of Chicago mm-hmm. where people, mm-hmm. you know, are using drugs, getting killed and things like that. And it's just like, you know, that was the best thing she could have did, for, even when she couldn't go. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember one time she sent me to California and, I, you know, one of my uncles was out there and he, you know, he took me on Rodale Drive and I'm like 11 and I'm like, oh, this a, you know, that's your I, life. You right. knew, you saw yourself. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, you know, she sent me to Canada, even when she couldn't go. Right. She was like, I just want you to see different mm-hmm. things, and that really, really helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's mm-hmm. amazing. So you graduate from law school, okay? Yeah. Did you immediately start practicing law? I did. Okay. So um, I graduated though, and didn't have a job offer. And okay. So, and that's why I wanted because I hear that when you graduate from law school. You, everyone's on pins and needles about passing the bar. the bar. But then the next thing is, are they going to get an offer from one of the big firms? So typically what happened is you already have the offer before you even go right. to the big firm. Okay. Because the big firm sees so much. They like, we know you're going to pass. So, okay. So 
you got to imagine, first of all, I was on Law Review. So okay. I was on what we call Ripple, which was the... What review, does that mean? Yeah. The Review of Intellectual Property Law. So I was on a Law Review... So to be on a Law Review Journal, period, mm -hmm. you got to be one of the most prestigious kids in the in the law school in your class at that time, okay. right? So I was on the Intellectual Property Law Review. Okay. And... To be like, and it's so crazy because the law review that I was on, it probably was like 10 years in. And so I was the fourth black person on that law review. Wow. Okay. Wow. And, but think about this. Now I come to the law review office, right? It looked like a little conference room in a law school or whatever. Mm -hmm. And all 12 of the white kids got a job offer. But me and the other person who is just so happened to be, he made history because he's the editor-in-chief of the law review, but now he's the first black editor-in-chief of that law review. We didn't have a job offer. Mm. And so it's just like, in that circumstance, it's difficult, it's hard because it's kind of like when sports players are going through college and they going through the draft and things like that right. and all these teams are fighting for them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, I made the law review and I still ain't got a job offer or anything. And I was so particular about the type of job that I wanted. I wanted to only work in intellectual property. And so I only applied for those type of jobs. And so everybody you think was, that was the problem? No, because, I mean... If you look at my transcripts, I wanted to be a trademark lawyer. Right. And so I studied that and everything, and I won an intellectual property law review, right? If I would have applied for, to say, be a divorce attorney, or if I would apply to be a civil attorney or criminal, I probably would have been pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm mm -hmm. saying? In that position and never would have seen my dreams through, right? That's right. So that's why I was like, I was very particular and intentional, and I wasn't going to apply to any other type of law position job because in the law field if you're not coming out of law school with that job offer they want in order for them to call you like a lateral hire meaning like you're going to come in you got to have the experience so it's like mm. okay if i don't have the experience so you basically you didn't have the offer you didn't have the experience mm -hmm. so that could have just pushed you into having to be a paralegal or doing something completely different. Girl, I even tried to be a paralegal and they went high. Really? <laughs> then they, now they're saying you overqualified. And it's so funny because my um, bachelor's degree mm -hmm. was in paralegal studies. So I was a paralegal for a commercial litigation firm, but I didn't want anything but in the trademark field. And what's so funny and crazy is that um, when I was finishing up law school and I, you know, I had three kids at the time. My son was... 11 my daughter was seven and my baby girl was five months old so mm -hmm. now i'm like i don't have any job offers but i've been working and going to school since i was 14 years old right mm -hmm. so now i take the bar in february no job offers but now this is my first time i having to go to work or school and i'm just sitting at home and now I get to see, like, when my kids are coming home from school. Mm -hmm. And so now I feel like that was the time God allowed me to sit and be still with myself and realize, like, okay, what really am I chasing? What really do I want? And in that moment, I realized, like, I really like being at home when my kids come home from school. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how can I match this motherhood thing I still got to be a lawyer because I wanted to be that since I was five, right. right? But, like, how can that come together? And I was battling with that because the job I was chasing, which was a big law firm job, they required, like, you bill 50, 60 hours in a week. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And it's really high pressure, especially a first-year associate and things like that. And so when I found out I passed the bar the first time, I found out in April, thank God. 
Um, my sworn-in ceremony was in May. So they in Illinois, they make you take a professional responsibility course before getting sworn in. Mm -hmm. And I say God makes no mistakes because the professor who taught that professional responsibility course, he was the same professor who taught lawyers how to start their own law practice. Now, he didn't mm -hmm. teach me how to start my own law practice, but what he told me on that day during our break, he said, I said, you know, I don't got no job offer. Because me and I was just talking while everybody went mm -hmm. to the bathroom, wherever they went. <laughs> and so he was like, take a smoke break or something. And so mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I don't have no job offers, but I really like being at home. My kids come home from school. Like, I'm really enjoying being at home. And you got to remember, this was 2013 where virtual was not popular or anything. And he mm -hmm. was like, just start your own law firm. And he said it so casually, so easy. I was like, I can't do that. He was like, who's underserved? Um, who is the underserved people that you want to serve? And I was like, immediately, because where I'm from, I'm like, I don't want to do criminal law. I want right. to do family law, right? right? And I said it out loud. He was like, no, who's underserved in a practice area that you've been practicing, that you want to practice in? And I was like, small business owners? He's like, you'll go a long way serving the underserved. And I feel like I had a plan, but God has such a bigger plan. Yeah. Because like in my plan, I wanted that first year associate job mm -hmm. where you come out in the Chicago making 160 k mm -hmm. a year, right? Mm -hmm. But then, according to his plan, like, just doing my own thing, and once I began to walk it, it just, you know, it just started falling it on started me. Because if you had followed what you wanted to do, the biz lawyer probably would not have ever existed. Never existed. Never existed. Because one of the things about firms and so forth, you got to fit into their mode. You got to mm -hmm. walk their walk, talk their talk, mm -hmm. and all that. And you have been able to mesh the world of law as well as the beauty and influence and yeah. from and you, a lot of attorneys don't have that down pack, right? Because yeah. I mean, in a sense, I know you you are an attorney, mm -hmm. but you're also an influencer too. Would you say? Would you say I so? I don't know. I don't know if I would say that yet. I mean, I I mean. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, and then so if you think about that, you've been able to mesh the two worlds. And if mm -hmm. you were in corporate or that would have been a hard, a you hard wouldn't thing. have been able to do that. And that's why I say like it's guys because like, OK, 10 years later, fast forward. Right. I just got an email for the third time in a year. We're in the top one percent mm. of trademark law firms out of over 28,000 law firms in this country. Wow. I'm Congratulations. 15, thank you. Out mm -hmm. of 33,000 trademark law firms in this country. And what's so funny is I was on my way to Vegas when the report first came out and they ranked us number 37 and they published the whole 100 list, right? Mm -hmm. So I go to the list and mm -hmm. I'm on a plane and I don't know one through 36. And so you I've didn't know. You didn't even know you were up for consideration? Um, I, I got a text message okay. from my COO. She was like, girl, look what we just got in the email. And I thought it was, and I'm like, girl, send me the, no, I saw I get the report, like get the report. And I couldn't download, I was trying my best to download it and it wouldn't download until I was in the air. Which is so odd because usually that's the hardest place you can get <laughs> right. something to download. And when it downloaded, I looked and I seen one through thirty. Well, I seen I went to thirty seven first and seen R.J. Pierce Law Group, mm -hmm. and I was like, wow. And then looked at the other people, didn't know who they were. But what's so funny, Ebony, is when I went to look through fifty through one hundred. I started noticing all the law firms that I applied for. Mm. I applied for at least forty of those law firms, including number one hundred out of that list 
And that's when God spoke to me. He said, see, people's rejection is my protection. That's right. And you couldn't be below their name, above, um, beneath their name, because I had to have you above it. Mm-hmm. And we have made that list three years in a row now. Girl, you just gave me chills saying that. <laughs> so have you seen any of these folks that did not uh, hire you? Have you seen them since? Have Did they know who well, you become? I don't I don't know. They probably, you know, I don't know. Because, you know, they have their HR departments and things yeah, like that. They probably Probably didn't yeah. even, and they probably didn't even remember the name or whatever. Mm-hmm. They probably get so many applicants yeah, that come through. Yeah, they probably don't remember, but I think they will hear my story one day. I actually want to start speaking about diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. because, like, in the field of law, they only pick the top. Right. Mm-hmm. And that could be like, you know, the valedictorian or the person who scores straight A's. Right. But you missed out on a winner like me who finished law school with three with three kids and who also, you know, passed the bar the first time. And now instead of me where you could have worked with me, I'm your competitor now. Mm-hmm. You hear what I'm saying? Let me do. What do you think? Why do you think? I know sometimes it's easy for us to say it's because I'm black. Mm hmm. But sometimes it's other things as yeah. to the reason. Do you? What do you really truly believe in your heart? And yeah. I'll tell you what I think. I mean, I do believe our race does play a factor in situations like that, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. that's more of a feel where you might, you know, more like a Ivy League kind of feel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just like... You know, I, in those fields, as a black person, you don't have the privilege to be mediocre. That's right. You, you don't. just don't have the privilege to be that, right? Um, because it's going to be some other people just based on their association or who they know and things like that that's going to get it and ain't even got to, you know, that's submit right. a resume. You know, mm-hmm. it's just because of their connections and who they're tied to. Mm-hmm. Now, I told you, my father by way of the legal field, was through the criminal justice system, right? right? You right. know what I'm saying? But I didn't have no rich uncles in my family or no, you know, lawyers or anything like that. So it really kind of does come from, like, I believe, like, where we're coming from mm-hmm. and the people that we're closely related to. Now, I may not always have to do, that might not be the, you know, the the ending factor of it all because mm-hmm. I'm a black woman and I'm going to get my success because mm-hmm. I'm going to make my success, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to allow that to be my excuse. But I do believe because I, I, I seen it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just being in that environment, it, it, it gets challenging for, you know, people like us because the job offers are not coming as freely. And sometimes, like, I don't know if they still do it like this now, but we used to have, like, campus interviews, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can go on campus, you can do an interview. So they see who you are. Right. They see what you look like. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay. And I finished law school with a three point, I think a 3.6. Mm. So it wasn't like I have, and all my intellect, if you check my transcripts, all my intellectual property classes in law school, I got straight A's. The I think I got one B, in my, and I was pregnant and, and missed something because I had my baby during my semester or whatever. Wow. Other than that, like, so it, it can't speak to my, you know what I'm saying? Your grades. My grades or yeah. anything like that, which that's what they look at the majority of the time. But it's just like, I'm not sure, but I just, you know, I thank God. For that rejection. Wow. Yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I And I always, rejection and betrayal are two things that I always thank God for. Yeah. Right? It hurts at that moment, mm-hmm. but the pivot was required to get you to where you needed yeah. to go. Mm-hmm. So let's go into trademarking, well, right? Well, tell me really quick what you think, because you said you had a thought about it. I'm glad it. you stopped me on that. Mm-hmm. I think 
that in certain fields such as um, law mm-hmm. and such as um, medical, mm-hmm. things like that, I think that many times because we're it's such a small percentage of us there, mm-hmm. they're used to African-American women looking a certain way. Mm-hmm. And if you're too glamorous, mm-hmm. too beautiful or too mm-hmm. flamboyant or too like mm-hmm. both you and I are, mm-hmm. many times they don't think we're smart. Mm-hmm. Whereas with... Caucasian women, mm-hmm. they're celebrated for that mm-hmm. because that is what they're... But I think for us, I think, you know, many times people tend to think that black women um, are just fashion bots. Mm-hmm. And um, the more fashionable or beautiful or it, they remove the intellect. Yeah. And so they, they go in with a preconceived notion. Now, I think if you had, if they, if you was just, you were just, a, just a black girl, no weave, mm-hmm. you know, just to your, just mm-hmm. straight to the bottom, and also trying to assimilate, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and not necessarily be authentically who you are. Yeah. And that's why I thank God for that rejection. Because you almost have to conform into a world, right? Because even I remember going on the job interviews and I pull my hair back Mm -hmm. and I'll wrap it up in a bun, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. then I'll, um, you know, have my little pearls on, you know, that I bought from TJ Maxx Mm -hmm. or something, you know, (laughs) off of State Street, you know, trying to, you know, get Mm -hmm. the job or whatever, but also to like... I'm from the hood. But see, that's what I'm saying. Like, they can tell. Right, right. It's like, and I didn't want to not be able to be who I am. In that moment, I just thought I needed the job. I want the job and people accept me and mm-hmm. I deal with the challenges that come. But I, you know, God knows you better than you know yourself. Right. right? And he like, no, I need you to be exactly who I made you. Who I be. made you to be. And that's yeah. the people that I want you to touch because yeah, exactly. I think in that space, I remember um, fast forward, you know, you moved to Atlanta and you started um, working in your space. And I remember seeing... Um, your name out there, you know, doing this, doing that. But then it was just like one day was an explosion, right? And you were everywhere. And every, you know, all the small business owners and influencers and everybody, they all said, oh, trademark by Bizlow. And the thing about it that I think that was so unique about it is you were helping small businesses that probably initially didn't even know what a trademark was. And I was happy for that because I think one of the biggest challenges we have in business today is properly structuring our businesses Mm -hmm. to a point where it's not a hustle, Mm -hmm. it's not a mom and pop, but it's actually something that we can pass down to our children, Mm -hmm. something that will generate generational wealth. And Mm -hmm. I, when I started seeing just some of the t-shirt companies Mm -hmm. and just Traditional companies that you would not think that would think about LLCs, would not think about trademarks, would not think about the typical, you know, right. bookkeeping, mm-hmm. actually getting their stuff in order. Yeah. I had never seen that many people doing that until I saw you come into the industry. I appreciate that. Yeah, I so I would definitely, I think beyond just it being a business for mm-hmm. you, I think when you look at the ministry of it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because if you think about the amount of people who will now have something yeah. to actually be proud of yeah. and be able to hand that off, yeah. 
Yeah. Is something that I don't know that our generation really had prior to that. Right. Not as not to the degree. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So is did you foresee that? Um when so I never forget that professor's words. And I didn't even get it on that day. But like once I started like the phone started ringing and things like that, I was like, the underserved. Serving the underserved. And for me, the service comes with the education. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, educating them, letting them know, like, this is what they need. And so I just knew, again, like, you know, my parents, they are amazing teachers. My brother always say, we got a cold support team. Like, because, <laughs> you know, they, they're street knowledge, but they're also, like, book smart. And they just be like, like, if you're going to do something, you got to do it great you know and you know my mama stand me in the mirror and be like say I'm gonna pass this by like have me shouting (laughs) so it's just like even though it was a lot of chaos they always like just made sure they promoted like the greatness and the excellence Mm -hmm. and so I'm like if I'm gonna do this I better like just do it and I, I remember going on Instagram my first time and I was just picking the name. I didn't know. I was just, because I was new to Instagram. Because mm-hmm. I had, like, shut out social media, um, like, all during law school. Like, my first week of law school, I remember sitting in my torts class. Somebody tried to show me Facebook. And I remember spending, like, two classes not paying attention to the professor. Mm-hmm. And the first year of law school, they'll flunk you, kick you out of school if you, like, end up in the bottom 10%. And I was like, I got to shut this off. This is a distraction. So when I came to social media as an entrepreneur, I was like, I can do something here. Like, because I was like, I don't like posting pictures of me. I don't like taking pictures, you know. And um, I was like, I don't like doing that, but I can, like, post content about education, like, why Mm -hmm. they need this. I think the biggest pivotal moment for me, I moved here in 2017, I was still going back and forth to Chicago, had to run my court cases. I was doing contract law. I was doing real estate cases. Um, I was doing an intellectual property. I was even working with entertainers. But I was burnt out by 2018, like okay. almost to the point I was, was resentful of my business. Really? Burnt, burnt out because I was going back and forth to Chicago. I never increased my client's price. So the price was the price. Now, why was that? Were you intimidated to increase your price? I just, I felt guilty that I, in a way I had a sense of guilt, like, okay, I left and went to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. You know, when they hired me, I was in Chicago, so I'm not going to make them pay for that price because Mm -hmm. I went to Atlanta. So sometimes, like, and I used to pay, like, I used to charge, like, $250 for a court appearance. So imagine, now you got (laughs) to fly to Chicago. So you were losing money. Losing money, but I was just like, I'm going to see it through. Um, but then, you know, I had got my cases down. I had one case left and, um, God just spoke to me and he was like, do what you're great at. And, you know, I remember saying, but I'm great at all of it. And then somebody was talking about zone of genius and zone of excellence. And I remember like, oh, Okay, because my zone of excellence is in this stuff, but my zone of genius is in trademark law. Okay. And so I remember just saying, committing and saying in 2018, December, I said, I'm going to do away with all these other practice areas. And then 2019, when the year starts, I'm going to just do trademarks. Now I'm scared as heck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The reason I was scared, because I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to lose money mm-hmm. from like the contract cases, the real estate, all, I'm going to lose money. But you remember that meme where like God is asking a little girl to give up the teddy bear and he got the big one behind yep. his back. Yep. Ebony, after I did that, first of all, and, and I got a test because I'm a Virgo and, you know, one of my dream clients, 
is one is Beyonce. <laughs> one is one was Angela Simmons at the time. And do you know, 2019 February, Angela Simmons DM me and was like, "Can you do something for me, legal wise?" It wasn't a trademark though. <laughs> like oh my god mm -hmm. I gotta I didn't even I don't think I responded for like two days because I had to go <laughs> pray about it and I was like you know what let me stay obedient to God and I, I came back and I was like you know what unfortunately um, I no longer offer the service in my practice area but I'm gonna refer you to a great attorney out of New York because I know she's from New York mm -hmm. and I was like I'm gonna refer you to but I was like when you ever need a trademark just let me know and being obedient to that, um, I actually doubled my revenue mm. the next year. And it was a less stress because I was just happy doing what I what was you're doing. doing. And then it made my marketing so much easier because mm -hmm. now I'm talking directly regarding this pain point and then realizing how many people just needed this service mm -hmm. um, to the point. I was able to hire my first attorney in 2019 okay. and grow and scale the business mm -hmm. to the point like. It just like took off. And I think what you probably was seeing in that was mm -hmm. me like finding this this area that I love so much. You basically, you, what you did was find that expertise, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of times what happens when I tell people you want to be a jack of all trades, all trades but master, master of nothing. <laughs> yeah. And you're just running around mm -hmm. like a hamster. Yeah. And you're not able, because you have to also be careful too when you talk about scaling business and so forth that you don't become a slave to your business. And I was in 2000. And, and, and that happens, too, with the resentment and all of that. Because the last thing you want, your business is supposed to provide you freedom, mm -hmm. not put you in a jail cell. Exactly. And so many business owners find themselves in that space. Yeah. So, okay, and, and for you to tell one of your dream clients, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. That was so hard. And, but guess what? God's so good. Because she's my client now. Because you, you helped her for, I saw this most recent project, Angela right? Cakes. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, girl, you're helping everybody. Yeah, <laughs> she, she came back. So, mm -hmm. you know, and I think, and I think you know, people watch you. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And they see you. Because I actually met her sister, and I didn't even, you know, mm -hmm. know her. And she just DM'd me. And we, we just, like, really cool and really good people you know and mm -hmm. so it's just like people watch you and they they you know and she came back around that's right that's mm -hmm. right so now let's talk about trademarking and why now why is because some people may hear us talking about trademarking and mm -hmm. um, small businesses having them and you're focused why is it so important that a business has a trademark it's so important one i always ask people will you build a house on land you don't own Will you build no, I wouldn't. No, right? It mm -mm. doesn't make sense, right? Mm -mm. So it's the same concept of building a business and a brand and you don't own the name, right? Mm -hmm. Same concept because so many times often people can go get products, right? Get packaging for the product, marketing material and all of that. And if you don't own the name and it's under trademark law, it's not about what's the same, but what can be deemed confusingly similar. Mm -hmm. So if something is confusingly similar... The owner of that trademark can force you to turn over all your product packaging and marketing materials so that they can destroy it. That's mm. under the law, right? Mm. And another reason why you would want a trademark is to protect yourself from somebody copying your brand, right? Mm -hmm. Or infringing on your brand. Um, you know, in the firm, we talk about the three infringers, the copycatter, the counterfeiter, and the confiscator, right? 
And the copycat, they're really going to like take a lot of elements of your brand and maybe they won't take the exact name, but something really similar to it. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to protect yourself from that. And then the counterfeiter, they just going to knock your stuff right off. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like Mm -hmm. with the fake bags and things like Louis Vuitton, right? If they had not had a registered trademark, they can't go in and shut a whole flea market down. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. With infringing products and bags and things like that. And then... For the confiscator, which we're dealing with about five of these cases right now, a confiscator is usually somebody that know you, that's close to you. Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, y'all fall out, right? It's usually like ex-spouse or um, an ex-business partner or something like that. And then they'll go and file your name. Mm. And then be like, oh, well, you got to fight me for your name. We had one girl just, you know, Halloween just passed. So we did like spooky trademark tales and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. One girl just recently posted on Twitter where this young lady came, booked a session with her, a coaching session with her, um, was emailing her and all that, and then went and filed her trademark. And she posted on Twitter. And then the other young lady responded and said, um, like, kind of laughing about it. Like, you know, well, you should have protected your name first and all of this crazy stuff. And the thing is, you can fight somebody who takes your name because under the law, the person who had the prior use of it, they're really the rightful owner, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, we charge less than $1,500 to file a trademark, right? Mm-hmm. But in order to take one of those cases, it's going to be a $3,000 retainer, right? The filing fee of a trademark is two seventy-five. dollars To okay. file an opposition to that application that the confiscator took is $600, right? Mm-hmm. It's a retainer that we charge of three thousand. If we can't get them to go away and settle within the first sixty days, the court—I mean, the the trademark office is going to generate a court calendar that's going to take us out two years, right? Wow. And then, so after we pass our sixty-day retainer, mm-hmm. now you're on a monthly retainer of like fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars, depending on the nature of your case, right? So you could possibly be paying up to twenty thousand dollars to fight for a name. That was yours in the first place, right? But because you didn't file it, somebody else filed it. So it's it's just so important that you protect what's yours. I always tell people, secure the brand so you can secure the bag. And, and it sounds like, to me, the courts are, are pushing it out for two, three years before you can even get to, to hear the case. The average everyday person can't afford. Exactly. And so what, and, and, and remember I said, this is somebody who was close to you, right? Right. So they know what your, your, financial your situation yes. is, right? Yes. And some people like, well, you just going to spend the money and fight me, you know? And they know and, that the, most people won't. And, and the thing is, so, and this is a process that we do with the trademark trial and appeal board. So it's not really a court system per se, and they don't have the jurisdiction to like fine people, right? You can be found, you know, for committing fraud upon the the trademark office, mm-hmm. but in order for you to be prosecuted for that, now you got to take that to a district federal court to, mm. for that to happen, because they don't have like any, you know, arresting powers or anything like that. So therefore. Like, you know, you the average person is not going to want to just have to deal with the rigmarole, mm-hmm. the back, the forth, mm-hmm. the filing and this and that. It becomes too much. And if they do, they're going to pay for it. Right. So it just only makes sense for you to protect your brand up front. So do you do you um, suggest that 
they do that at the inception of the creation of a, a company? When should you think about trademarking? I always recommend, like, again, like, before we go build a house, right, mm -hmm. a nice house, right, we're going to clear the land first, right? We're mm -hmm. going to make sure that we have the deeds of the land. Now, in some countries, that's a different process. But mm -hmm. here, we want the land, right? And what do we do? We do a title search to make sure there's no liens and things like that. So before you adopt the name, you first have to do the research on the name That's just right. to make sure that it's cleared, mm -hmm. right? And so from there, I do recommend you start the trademark process first. And people will say, well, you're going to say that because you're a trademark lawyer. No, because I'm a trademark lawyer that's been practicing over 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. And I have seen people who have started businesses without doing that process only to lose up to $150,000 mm -hmm. or a million dollars that they invested on a business. Where now they got to rebrand and do it all over again. Now, is it true, like... That I know you said confusingly similar, mm -hmm. but is it true that sometimes you can just change a little something in the brand be, to be able to keep it? Like, for instance, my brand, Cornology. Mm -hmm. Could somebody just say Cornology by Rosina? They can't do anything mm -hmm. like that, right? Because now that leaves like a false designation of sponsorship as if like... You said, okay, Rosina, go create Cornology by Rosina, and I'm still associated with you. And then say, for instance, I go do something stupid, and that tarnishes the original brand. Mm -hmm. Just like, okay, another spooky tale we talked about okay. this weekend was, <laughs> okay, the Keith Lee situation mm -hmm. coming to Atlanta. Now, yeah, okay, so that, what exactly, tell me what happened with that whole situation. So... So I didn't know who Keith Luke was right. until he came to Atlanta. Okay. <laughs> never heard of him. You right? never heard of him mm -mm, either, right? But mm -mm. apparently, like, he's a very popular food critic. And he came to Atlanta and he got to experience what us what we experience in ATL when it comes to restaurant culture. And um I so he went to a restaurant. They're so confusing to me. I probably have to check the name. But I think Milk and Honey. Right? Okay, okay. And, and I then, kept seeing something about yeah. Milk and Honey, but I didn't know what yeah. was going on. Okay. And so there's another restaurant here in, um, in, uh, in Atlanta, and they're Milk and Honey, too. So one is like the Milk and Honey, and one is Milk and Honey, the real Milk and Honey, or Milk and Honey ATL, or something like that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So he does the review on one of the restaurants, right? But now the other restaurant who is not associated with the one restaurant he does the review on is getting all the backlash from his review. Okay. You okay, get what I'm saying? Okay. Uh -huh. And so then now that's causing confusion. And now the other restaurant, they got to put out a whole big statement. You, you, you're the publicist, right? They got to put mm -hmm. out a whole big mm -hmm. statement. Hoping everybody who seen the review read the statement saying, this is not us. We are not affiliated with this restaurant. There are two different restaurants and this. Th like now they got to do damage control. Right, they right. have to go into crisis management. Exactly, mm -hmm. and so it's just like that happens in trademark law all the time. So why is that? So some, why didn't they sue the other one? Because clearly so, something is trademarking is off so right here, I, right? No, but and that's a good point because everyone was kind of saying, and I don't know like the facts or whatever, but they were saying they were old business partners and they split, and they went one went one way, one went the other way. And what I see a lot, Ebony, when it comes to partnerships, mm -hmm. is no partnership agreement, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so important in your partnership agreement. A partnership agreement is like a prenuptial. Sure agreement, is. Okay? It is. And what people don't realize now, I want you go to when you go into business with somebody, mm -hmm. and as I tell people this, it's like getting married to yes. them. So you can't take going into business with somebody lightly. Yeah. And pe I see people just meeting somebody. Oh, we like the same thing mm. and we're going to go into. Mm. Oh, no, because when when the divorce happens, yes. 
It's okay, ugly. when it is ugly, mm-hmm. it is ugly, and you're gonna have someone trying to take mm-hmm. something that may not have even been their passion mm-hmm. and it's yours, and so it gets real ugly. So, like you said that partnership agreement is it, it gets nasty and messy, and the yes. thing is, like, I have represented some people, um, and they hire us to do the trademark, mm-hmm. and then they are mad at each other and broke up and then they like oh just send me the no 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 we, so what do you this, do at what this do you point do? we represent the trademark so y'all two gotta go figure it out with y'all other attorney somewhere because now that's a conflict of interest that's right, right? well who so, owns it then the entity y'all two need to go figure it out mm-hmm. go to a court let the judge say who is the owner of the trademark at right, that point right? right and what tends to happen is if you do not have a partnership agreement which a lot of people don't and the law says when two people come together for the purpose of making money you have now formed a partnership mm-hmm. whether you like it or not that's right and so if you don't have a partnership agreement the law is going to apply their state partnership agreement to your situation mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so it really depends on what that state law says but um, what people don't realize is when you're starting these partnerships, like you gotta sit down and have a con y'all love each other right that's now. Right. right. But like, okay, let's talk about if I don't like you tomorrow. Well, or, that's the same thing I say about like you said, prenups. Yeah. You gotta have those the difficult conversations. conversations yes. Because the reality of that happening is more common than not. And it could be it could be say for instance, God forbid, two women get together. They go into business together. They love each other, right? Mm-hmm. They, they would never do anything wrong. And they're both married, right? But mm-hmm. the partnership is between them two, right? And one of them, God forbid, died. Yep. Now your partner is her husband. Her husband. And you hated him mm-hmm. all along while she was alive. You mm-hmm. hated him. Mm-hmm. But now he is the partner, the partner. of that business. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's only for your protection mm-hmm. to do these things. And one, I would say, when you're splitting... Even in the agreement, you have to say, okay, if we were to split, who's going to own this name? Because mm-hmm. somebody got to be willing to let somebody, it go. You know, I've been through that before. Mm-hmm. So way before EPI was in existence, I was in a partnership with someone with another PR agency. And um, luckily, when I, you know, when the relationship went awry, mm-hmm. um, we had only been in that business at that time for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, she came up with the name, Mm -hmm. but I had really created a lot of noise with clientele. Mm -hmm. So I felt like me changing the name, Mm -hmm. I'm the one with Mm -hmm. more clients. You was the rainmaker. Right. Mm -hmm. However, I, you know, I had a great attorney friend that said to me, you know, you may feel like it's a big deal right now, but mm. it's only been a year. Mm. She was like, walk away from mm. it. Start anew. Mm-hmm. It may be a headache right now. Yep. Just, But, you know, when you, when you have to walk away from that, yeah. you have to notify all your clients, mm-hmm. all of their partnerships, this mm-hmm. and that. They think about all of your intellectual property, your email accounts, all mm-hmm. of the stuff that you own under that name, you know, yeah. the trans transfer of all that, mm-hmm. transfer of sites. Tra- it's, it's a headache. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people don't want to. And by the way, I didn't even really like the name anyway. Right, right. That, and so I was like, you know what? Let me cut my losses mm-hmm. and and start anew. And, and, and that's when EPI Media Group yeah. was birthed. Yeah. But it, I will tell you, that is a very so when we talk about the dissolution of a brand or a mm-hmm. dissolution of a partnership, and I said to myself at that moment because I've been 
an entrepreneur all my life. Even though I did work in corporate mm-hmm. um, and was an executive in corporate for a while, I've always yeah. been a hustler, right? But when I walked away and actually started my agency full time, you know, I said to myself, I will never go into a partnership again. And that may sound harsh, Mm-mm. but Mm-mm. the dissolution of a partnership is a lot. Yes. Let me tell you, I I feel the same way because mm-hmm. what I have seen, um, I would do a joint venture. They're mm-hmm. easy to break up short term and things like that. But a partnership, it it can be difficult unless we going to sit down and we going to have a solid, tight partnership agreement, right? And most, when I said the state laws apply, most state laws will tell you, you just dissolve, you got to dissolve the business. Mm-hmm. Can't mm-hmm. nobody walk away with that's it. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's probably the best thing mm-hmm. for everybody mm-hmm. so that consumers are not confused. You know, you're not notified. That's probably the best thing. But when there's no, now your attorney friends heard, told you right. I just had a situation like this with another person where she was like, you know, I'm in this situation. I was like, just walk away from it. Just walk away. Just walk away. Mm-hmm. I said, if you built it once, you could build it again. The problem is, it, it, that's the, it's the building it mm-hmm. it's the time mm-hmm. but I'm gonna be honest with you a lot of his ego yeah and you got to be able to let that ego down mm-hmm. and really think about what is the best thing overall and that's yeah. what I think most business owners struggle mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. you know so it, what's next for you Rosina what can people expect to see because I know you are killing the game with trademarks right mm-hmm. but I know that there's so much more yeah I'll I actually want to start um, creating this Rosina Jennifer Pierce brand. Okay. Um, Everybody, you want to start creating? You already have this brand. Girl, the biz lawyer. I think some of the clients (laughs) they come, they pay. They don't even know the law firm name, girl. They just pay. (laughs) And so I think you know Rosina has so much more to talk about as far as like being a mom and you know raising these kids and getting through you know all this Mm -hmm. different stuff that I've been through. And you know um, I want to speak more to college students. I want to speak more at corporations and talk to them about why diversity inclusion is important Mm -hmm. and why when you include people you also have to be inclusive and making them have a safe space Mm -hmm. when they come into this environment Mm -hmm. so that they can thrive more so it's more for me about like just speaking and building like that personal brand and encouraging people because I had so many people tell me because I worked because I had kids because I had to you know do all this stuff that I I wasn't going to be successful as a lawyer Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so I just want people to know like you don't have to take their traditional way whatever that is right, right? Mm-hmm. like you just got to get it done you got to so, do it you got to yeah. believe and i think like you said you should be the poster child for dei mm-hmm. because what it does do is educate people who are unfamiliar with faces like ours mm-hmm. what people like us can really do yeah you know what yeah. i'm saying so and, and because everybody is not entrepreneurial based so that's the thing yeah. i think right now in this market that we're in now everybody wants to be their own boss everybody wants to da 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 being a boss isn't for everybody right um and i'm not just saying that it is a lot of stress mm-hmm. it's a lot of responsibility and you have to be able to maneuver a lot of different areas mm-hmm. and be good at different areas yeah. and so it's okay to be a quarterback it's yeah. okay but i and so if you are going to be a quarterback we want to make sure that 
people are giving us opportunities, yeah. but I think it's important for people like you and I to also make sure we're giving back yeah. to the next Rosinas, the next yeah. Ebony's, uh -huh. seeing that next talent. Because I know now you're able to probably spot that next yeah. talent in there, the, the yeah. ones that did not get yeah. that opportunity like absolutely. you did. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I have a team of 15 people. Mm -hmm. so, and I, like you come from corporate background, I come from a corporate background. Mm -hmm. And everything I did in corporate, and I used to work in banking and then in a law firm, it helped me mm -hmm. as a CEO. So I never speak down on people working. like Because, look, I couldn't be where I'm at without having a team, That's right? right? And so, like you said, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. But where can we be in these spaces where they're safe and we are included and we can be who we are and that'd mm -hmm. be okay because mm -hmm. you know we have some amazing people and amazing talent and a lot of us influence not only our culture but culture period that's right right that's but right. it's like but we're not the ones that's given the credit for it financially and notability of it so it's just like it's 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 time to include us, right? Mm -hmm. Give mm -hmm. us those seats. At it's the time, table. The and guess what? If you don't want to give us a seat at the We're table, make it. that's it. And right. that's primarily what you and I both did, made right. our own table. Uh -huh. And that because I I said to myself, I'm not asking nobody for nothing else. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go out here. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it on my own. I'm gonna do it alone. I'm gonna do it afraid. I'm gonna yeah. do it cold. I'm gonna do it. I'm yeah. not going to. Stop. That was my that was my mantra and that is my mantra because I'm gonna tell you now, even at the place of where I'm at now, I still grind like I'm hungry. I still mm -hmm. grind like I'm broke. Yeah. Cause you can't ever give that up at this point. Um so any go ahead. Real quick, mm -hmm. I used to like before, like, you know, I guess where I was at, you know, I was used to be like, Why TI and Tyler Perry work so much? They rich, why they Right. And now I get it. Like That's you said, right. you never want to go back. You mm -hmm. know, Tyler Perry's sleeping in his car. T.I. from the hood. You know, it's mm -hmm. like you got to, like, keep putting in the work. And especially if we are trying to be legacy creators. We mm -hmm. are legacy creators, That's right? right? Um, it, it doesn't stop, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't stop in this moment. Like, I still got a good nine years to go before I'm looking at retiring. But mm -hmm. I got to, like, make it happen. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, too, is I think it's also innately in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just, your mind is constantly going. Working. You're always thinking. You're <laughs> always going, going. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And that's what I'm saying. I know that there's something next mm -hmm. for you yeah. um, beyond the biz lawyer. And, but you've yeah. turned the trademarking industry over to be something sexy, yeah. something fun, something that the everyday business owner is talking about. Yeah. I just most recently seen your new campaign where you guys are sending out um the, the boxes, the branded boxes. Mm -hmm. And and so now your clients are excited. Yeah, I'm seeing them open them. Box. They call in the office right. like, where's our box? I'm like, it's coming. But it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, one of the things I'll say is for business owners, you have to be strong in sales marketing. Yeah. Right? Because that is a brilliant marketing campaign mm -hmm. because without you having to go out here and buy a gazillion ads, yeah. you're allowing your clients. clients. Yep. To be your ads, yeah. and so all their followers, and then they're saying, "Well, what I mm -hmm. want to be, I want to that, that, that." So that was great, and yeah. I think that has been a great, great, great part of what you've been doing since yeah. you've been um, on Instagram is the fact that you are integrating 
um, social media marketing yeah. into it. And you're making it fun and you're making it bite-sized. Yeah. So I, I think that's great. Yeah. I want to also thank you for coming out today. I know you're real busy. No. And I really, I'm so glad that you made this happen today. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm so happy we was, we was able to make it happen. And this was great. I loved it. Thank you. Yes. And we'll see you next time on Chronology. <laughs> about what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to closing the deal, I get it done. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast.